Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week, we're doing thrillers from the 90s. Breakdown and unlawful entry. Kind of like my high school prom. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. You sound sad. No, I'm fine. I'm tired. I know your pain. <laughs> I, too, I, too, am up past my bedtime. Well, mine was because I got three hours of sleep last night. Yours is because you got plenty of sleep last night. You're just old. I don't know what you whippersnappers are talking about. <laughs> I also got no sleep last night, but I'm just used to it at this point. Yeah, you got a kid. You shouldn't be used to having a full night's sleep anyway. <sighs> so, Noah, did I see you're playing uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla? No. I'm, I'm, I've been playing Valheim. Oh. Well, it's not the same thing then. No. Although it's super, uh, it's super dope. I fucking love that game. Well, the hell is really, is good. Uh, it weirdly has rap battles in it, though. What the fuck yeah. did you just say? Oh, 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 yeah, there's, there's rap battles. Uh, they call it, they call it flighting. Oh. They basically insult each other in rhyming pentameter. And you have to respond in kind, also insulting them. And matching them with rhyme and rhythm. No. I don't think no, I no, no, no. <laughs> no, Val Valheim's more like uh my, Viking Minecraft. Okay. It's kind of this this weird open world thing that's all procedurally generated, so you know every time you create a game it's an entirely new world you're exploring. Mm -hmm. but it's kind of one of those games that it just drops you in without telling you anything and you just kind of have mm -hmm. to figure shit out much like minecraft yeah yeah i mean it's similar and then you unlock new crafting stuff as you discover new materials and shit like that over over the weekend i built my first long ship and sailed out into the ocean and found a new island which was pretty cool mm -hmm. Uh, there was kind of a funny reference in, in this game, though. Um, although I'm going to say it and both of you are probably going to hate it. Um, so there's like these world events where, you know, you run into people and I don't know, situations are going on and you can step in and figure it out. Uh, there, there was a group who was, um, singing and these religious people did not enjoy it and they wanted to chase them out of town 
and lead guy of the singing group looked really weird. He had like a bald head, but then like he had long hair on the sides so that he almost like combed upward. And I'm just like, okay, is he doing some weird like devilish like Faustian sort of thing? I mean, it sounds like the singer from Prodigy. That's what I was going to say. Well, after you step in on their behalf and tell the religious people to fuck off, and then you beat the living shit out of the bishop that's standing there, and he gives in and leaves, the guy says, Ah, thank you so much for protecting our music. This reminds me of a new song called Smack My Bishop. And he just starts singing it over and over again. Smack my bishop. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. I'm not glad you told us that. I'll tell you that right now. Listen, I'm not uh, going to say that that's not clever. But I'm also <laughs> not going to say that the person who wrote that into the game doesn't deserve to be beaten with reeds. Well, yeah, both those things can be true. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny. But, again, knowing that both of you would be like, well, that's fucking stupid. Well, the whole thing is, I don't think it's stupid. I just think it's awful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, a stupid joke would be one that either didn't make sense or that, like, we couldn't get. Just just don't enjoy hearing it, that's all. Yeah. That's the case here. It's clever. It's cl- it's very clever wordplay, and I find it very amusing. And also, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, I agree with two of the things that you said. Oh. Poor Assassin's Creed writer. I'm sure he's really upset. Here, I put these yeah. in the put these in the chat so you can you feast your eyes upon it. You don't need to. It's fine. No, no, you need to look and understand. <laughs> Gaze upon it. Gaze upon it and be known. Dear podcast God. Movies from the 90s. We've got some trouble in Las Minas to save her. Which I think is our theme um, this week. When the, uh, when the world event concludes and you find out the title of the event, it's called The Prodigy. Of course. Of course it yes. is. Uh, what were you saying, Doug? Something about movies from the 90s? <laughs> I think maybe we'd record a podcast about that. Speaking of speaking of prodigy, is prodigy from the nineties? I don't know. Were they? No, they feel like it'd be early two thousands to me. But uh, it would have been late nineties because I remember I was working at Kmart and I didn't. I were I quit there nineteen ninety eight, and we had to pull the prodigy album off the shelves for corporate. Because of the song Smack My Bitch Up. Smack My Bitch Up! Which nowadays... It's like probably, seems really tame, doesn't it? Right. It's probably the least of anybody's problems. Just saying, he doesn't even give the devil a lap dance. It's... It's one of the... This is one of the funny things I think about our society is like, on the one hand, it's like... Everyone thinks that everything is being canceled and people are super sensitive and stuff. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, the prodigy used to be too much for Kmart. And <laughs> like, I remember a time when like Twisted Sister was getting fucking banned and they had to go to like Congress or whatever. And it's best. like, I really don't 
I really don't think we've gotten that much more sensitive. If Twisted Sister used to be too much for society. I just love that it was fucking D. Snyder, Twisted Sister. Uh, was it Rob, Rob Hedfield from Judas Priest? And then, I don't know, some other big, like, rock guy. Was Ozzy part of it? Somebody like one of those. And then it's fucking John Denver. (laughs) (laughs) Which was super smart, because, I mean, he comes in, he's like, nah, this is bullshit. People are more likely going to pay attention, but... (laughs) I'm sure at this point in life you've seen the clips of D. Snyder just tearing into them. Oh, yeah. Accusing Tipper Gore of being into BDSM. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe you should just let him sell his records right and, and now you look at D. Snyder and he's like the least offensive thing ever oh yeah it's like that's the thing about like all that like 80s and early 90s like hair metal and all that shit it was all just fucking party music it wasn't anything there was nothing offensive about it <laughs> but he's wearing makeup Doug yeah Ugh. Can't have that. Uh, do you know who's not wearing makeup? <laughs> I'm a sermon. I'm not, assuming I was, Ray, I was Ray, Ray Liotta. Not, not, not Ray Liotta, because he definitely <laughs> is wearing makeup. <laughs> uh, uh, so we are out of Kurt Russell month. Russell month is behind us, so we decided to do two thriller movies, suspense movies from the 90s. Yeah, This is definitely not a... Uh, Gimmick to cover up the fact that I somehow programmed six weeks of Kurt Russell month and uh, you know. Hey man, I was gonna go this whole you know, episode for one of up. those very very common months that contain six weeks. <laughs> I'm not saying I thought it was six weeks. I just didn't count the amount of shows we had scheduled and was like, oh, oh well, we got but an I, extra one. But I know for a fact that that's not true because you specifically said that. You counted the number of shows and you wanted to do the, the uh, Kurt Russell month in March because it had five weeks. Yeah. I think so. the idea was I was going to get rid of one. Oh, yeah. And, and then I didn't. So I was like, eh, fuck it. Six of them, I guess. But I didn't realize it until like halfway through the month. And I was like, eh. I'm sure I could oh, twist no, people's arm into another it's one. Just, it's just a, it's an Easter miracle. We killed Kurt Russell month and then a few days later have resurrected. <laughs> uh, which reminds me... Happy uh, Easter, everyone. Noah, you have to pick movies by the end of the show, so be prepared. Hey, fuck! <laughs> I completely forgot to send you a message today. Well, why you All look right. at the list? I did program in a whole month of Lou Ferrigno movies. It's not time for that yet. We're not jumping straight into another theme month. Oh, now. I told you. It's month, month year. It's not... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! Well, um, one, while Noah figures that out, why don't you tell us about unlawful entry, Doug? Unlawful entry, the, the sexiest of the Kurt Russell movies on this list. Yeah, but surprisingly non-sexy for a Madeline Stowe movie. So there you go. It's all about perspective. Uh, Kurt Russell and Madeline Stowe are a married couple in that movie, and their house is broken into by a guy for no particular reason other than to just move the plot along. Doesn't appear to be stealing or wanting to have any kind of interactions with them. Uh, well, and it's the 90s, so the guy is black, of course. Oh, yeah, he's 
he's the stereotypical 90s uh, villain, and therefore, yes, black is a major part of that. <laughs> um, but they do fit, they do put in a black cop just to uh, kind of even things out. Anyways, those which, which I find this interesting because I think this movie came out in what 92? Yep. So right before the Rodney King stuff, or while came out while it was going on, maybe it would have been. Yeah, it's it's so close you don't know because I don't I didn't look into like when this was filmed and stuff, right? So, mm. Yeah, it was released in '92. So we do some internet sleuthing and figuring out when the Rodney King stuff happened. All right, it's not relevant to the movie at all. If anyone, it's not, but it's just <laughs> some of the some of the weird racial stuff in it is weird for the very time period that. Yeah. came out. I think, well, I think, I mean, without getting into a real in-depth discussion of it, I think all of that time period, a lot of stuff was racially weird, and that kind of explains some of that Rodney King stuff, too. Oh, yeah. But, so. Okay, so, yeah, the, the Rodney King stuff happened in 91, and then the riots were in 92. That's when that, yeah, 90, I remember 92 was the riots. Yeah. That's when the court case was concluded. Yeah. So. so, and I, and it is sort of semi-relevant just because this takes place in LA. So these would be LA police officers and LA police were not, not very well liked by the general public by this point. No, it's fair. You found a way to make your comments relevant. Good job. Yeah. Uh, where was on my plot description? Uh, the, the Kurt Russell, and Madam Stowe <laughs> right. are married. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So their house gets broken into the guy threatens Madeline Stowe. They chase him off. They call the cops. One black and one white cop show up to prove that there can be harmony in the world. Although that doesn't last through the whole movie. Uh, the white cop is Ray Liotta. He sort of becomes obsessed with Madeline Stowe and gradually kind of moves his way in to these people's lives. Uh, Kurt Russell eventually stands up to him, so he has Kurt Russell locked away. His partner threatens to report him if he doesn't do something about and go seek psychiatric help so he kills the partner uh, and Kurt Russell conveniently gets out of jail just as Ray Liotta's gonna rape Madeline Stowe just show up and save the day last minute and because it was still pretty close to the 80s once he shoots the police officer in the face enough times he's no longer responsible for any of his crimes and they live happily ever after <laughs> yeah I was gonna say both of these movies do not tell you how stuff ends up. Nope. Just, it's, it's over. <laughs> literally kill bad guy. Roll it's the credits. 90s, man. It is the <laughs> 90s. What can you do? It is That is just how movies were back then. Nobody believed in the concept of an epilogue. Um, so was this the first time watched for anybody? Uh, first time in a long time. I hadn't seen it. Yeah, like, I was, was going to say... 90s. Both of these movies, I thought I had never seen them before until I started watching them, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember this movie." <laughs> well, I saw work. this. I saw this like not too long after it came out. Like either, either we rented it at some point, which I don't know why I would be watching it because I would have been twelve, uh, or it was on cable, and I watched it that way. Yeah, like I definitely watched it a couple times in the nineties, but I didn't have much recollection of the details of it. No, me neither. The only thing, well, I was 12, so the only thing I really remembered was the sexy scene. Yeah. Before everything goes into overdrive. <laughs> I don't know. 
Um, so what were your thoughts then? Um, I thought I thought Kurt Russell's wife were kind of douchey. Yeah. Um, which I, I, I don't know if that's intentional. Like they're supposed to be like upper class yuppie types who are yeah. not particularly popular in like 92. You're getting into like the grunge era. People don't look too highly on those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. But they did. They were definitely come, came across as douchey. The only question is whether it was on purpose or not. Yeah. Especially for Kurt Russell, where his job is, I open clubs and neighborhoods, and then I don't know, make investors money somehow. Like that seems like a douchey job. Yes, it does. Um, so it's okay. I mean, Ray Liotta's good because. I'm not even sure he's acting. I think it was just Ray Liotta. <laughs> Are you saying that Ray Liotta is a dangerous rapist? Well, I'm not saying he's not. It would be unfair to say he's not. We're I'm not, just saying some to make that judgment. Some of his psychotic tendencies may have shown through his performance. Like, if I was going to believe a, a famous actor was going to become obsessed with my family and not leave us the fuck alone, it would be Ray Liotta. Yeah, that's maybe, maybe it wouldn't be evil like this, but it would just be like, Ray, stop fucking showing up. And he's, <laughs> and he's like, oh, come on. He's like bringing like fruit baskets and stuff over. You're like, Ray, fucking enough with the fruit. I do. I do. How did we get on Ray Liotta fruit baskets already? Because I'm just saying, the show. He would be. He would be like. Even if he was like super nice, obsessed, it would still come off as just like, God damn it, let it fucking go, Ray. Stop coming around. I was gonna say, I've I've always loved the fact that Ray Liotta, he he like he can do this really convincing nice guy thing. And and then do this really convincing I'll fucking kill you thing. And he doesn't like change his acting style at all between those two things. <laughs> it's no. just all tone of voice. If he speaks softly, you're like, hey, Ray Liotta, I bet that guy's really cool. And then he's like, I'll fucking kill you. And you're like, Ray Liotta's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> See, actually, I had a bit of an issue with his performance in oh, this yeah? movie. Yeah, I, I don't know if you too, guys picked it. Picked too up hammy. This, but... Was it too hammy? No. Well, okay, yes, the death scene was way too hammy. I assume we're going to have a long conversation about that death scene at some point in this discussion. <laughs> but um, my problem was, like, he kind of kept going back and forth from, like, the the sick guy who's, like obsessed and doesn't understand that what he's doing is wrong and then just shifting back into just being evil villain from every movie and I found it like it was inconsistent and I still don't really understand his motivations like you know what I mean yeah like some like because there, there's two different movies you can make there one is he's just an evil fuck who wants to kill these people and whatever else mm-hmm. and you're like okay and then one is he's this sort of obsessive almost like a a Ray Liotta version of one hour photo where he's just obsessed and doesn't doesn't understand maybe that what he's doing is wrong but clearly it is wrong and that makes it creepier and weirder <laughs> um, and I don't like, I felt like he was going back and forth across that line throughout the movie anybody else notice that? Or? yeah I can see that point he goes from one extreme to the other a lot it's uh, hey I found the guy that broke into your house let's beat the fuck out of him and possibly kill him 
to uh hey i was just stopping by the barbecue don't uh don't worry about it. I, I thought you were going to give me a security job at your club, and all of a sudden you're being kind of an asshole, Kurt. Yeah. I I was going to say, I did have a problem with... There's, I, I don't know. There's some kind of problem with the escalation in this movie. Agreed. Where at first the ramp-up is this, you know, tit-for-tat kind of thing, but then it goes like, this thing, this thing, this thing, this thing fucking murder people and you're like whoa (laughs) whoa we skipped a step we skipped a step from escalation to to just fucking murdering people and being crazy like it did seem to jump to murdering the friend really quickly yeah i i kind of like it's weird because it's kind of a longer movie and i was thinking like this is a very long movie and then all of a sudden i'm like but they forgot to do the escalation part like that's what the length of the movie should have been like it should have been this gradual buildup, and they did kind of just make the leap. Um, it's sort of funny. Uh, and some of the things that happen in this movie, I don't think they understand what cops can do. No, like I so the boot. I get the boot because maybe maybe in L.A. Uh, parking tickets are handed by the police department instead of by the municipality, which I don't think they are because almost everywhere those are yeah. not criminal tickets. They're well, we should ask Doug. Civil tickets. Doug, what's that all about? Oh, for fuck's sakes, really? Um, uh, as soon as as soon as Noah said boot, I had that one ready to go. Right. Yeah, all right. Right. So, <laughs> Let's just move on from that. So, but, I can't so, believe you're doing this, Brian, but I'd like Noah to start talking. So, but, <laughs> so, but we'll just, I'll, I'll forgive them that, and we'll say, okay, maybe, maybe the police department in LA does handle traffic, those type of parking tickets, and he just went in and changed what tickets the guy had in the computers. You know, it's it's the '90s. Computers sucked. So I'm sure he could have done that. But but then it's like, he also canceled and maxed out all his credit cards. And it's like, I don't, how does, being a cop doesn't give you any special access to people's finances. Maybe, maybe a banker owed him a favor. That's the thing is, in that, in, in a movie that's almost two hours long, you could have a scene where Ray Liotta goes to some criminal and says, I know you can do this, but... If you, I'm going to arrest you for doing it, or you can just do me this favor, kind of thing, right? Like that—that that moment could exist, but they just didn't bother to write it in. No, right, right. That could have been better. See, the, and most of the rest of the stuff, I'm okay with. It's like, okay, he knows how to like fuck with their security system and stuff, but he helped install it. That makes sense. Yeah, he knows how to like call somebody's investors and do a cop thing and act like the guy's under investigation to fuck up all of his business dealings. Sure. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the credit card was the one that I was like, wait a minute. That's, you can't just do that. <laughs> yeah. I noticed that too. And even the whole thing, the, like the boot thing bugged me at least as much as it's bugging you. Um, it was just, it, there was something about it that just felt like, I don't know that you can do that. Like, getting the boot put on the car, fine, but faking the tickets? You have to go in the system and manually enter them? Like, aren't those tickets... I don't know how tickets worked in L.A. in the 90s, to be fair, but it feels like either you have to have, like, hand a bunch of 
filled in tickets over to somebody to manually enter into a computer system, or you have one of those little machines that they have now that automatically transfers it into the system. I don't know that there's a way. Yeah, I can't be, believe they had the automatic. I would assume it had to be manually entered tickets into an old, like, green screen Apple. Yeah, but then that would mean that, like, probably like a secretary or someone does that. And they're just going to get handed a stack that are all for the same guy in a row. And they're not going to bring that up. Like, you're getting into the point where it's like, is there a conspiracy amongst the police to get a boot put on this guy's car? Because that doesn't... I mean, that's a pretty shitty conspiracy. I'd, I'd come up with a better conspiracy than that if you're going to go through all the effort. Yeah. What's, that, gonna... all, what's that all about? Oh, fuck. Come on, Doug. Just say it once. <laughs> you know what the weird thing is? Is is about isn't the Canadian word that I always hear the accent in. It's It's the word sorry. It's just because you guys don't know how to use it properly. <laughs> well, no, every time I hear a Canadian say sorry, there's a U in it for some reason. They say like sorry. There they're so there are so sorry. many words that we say that have use in them that you guys don't put use in. <laughs> that <laughs> sorry isn't one of them though. I was going to say, so, all, the, all the Canadian podcasts I listen to, that's the one every day. They're always like, sorry. And you're like, what the fuck? Quit saying that word so weird. We are off topic. Yeah, so what we're talking about? Oh, him fixing all of uh, Kurt Russell's shit. So yeah. <laughs> he looks he looks like an asshole. Yeah. Ray Liotta I, pounding some hooker in his cop car. I think a lot of that stuff that we're referencing right now, like, it's lazy writing is what it is, right? It's, oh, it'd be neat if he did this to the guy and then not bothering to take that step of going, wait, does that make any sense? You know? Right. And I think there's just, like I said, there's just a lot of that in this movie where it's like, you know, the, the climax being he gets out of jail by sheer coincidence, gets bailed out at exactly the last moment. And then he's getting chased by other cops when he gets to the house. So they're there to like witness him shoot a cop in the face and, we assume that that's okay. Ah, I think this shooting is good. Charges dropped. Yeah, I I would say this. So so this movie is it's perfectly fine to watch. You know what I mean? It was kind of it's fun and engaging, and you've got uh, Kurt Russell and Ray Liotta, who are both uh, very charismatic people who you know tend to keep your attention. But at the same time, this is not a very well constructed movie oh, no. it's it's not like polished it, it it lacks craft if that makes yeah it, it needed we've said this about 90s filmmaking in the past where it's like it seems like just nobody really cared they were like empathetic just like yeah we gotta make a movie about a guy a cop he's obsessed with this girl just just get get the most stereotypical actor to play that cop. Ray Liotta? Yeah, of course. That's what I meant. And then just... just it, like is, it is very literally the flannel and jeans of filmmaking. It is. It's just... You know, a lot of that is, like, a lot of the things we're saying about, like... All the things that Ray Liotta does to Kurt Russell are, like, exactly what you would guess he would do. You know? And then, like say, they don't even bother to explain how he did it. So it's... <laughs> Like a lot, like I agree with what you said. Is it's it's fine if you're just watching it and you get your brain turned off. 
but it's like I was intentionally not paying too much attention because I was picking up on too many of these little problems and I still kept finding more where it's just yeah it never stops then they're just like the climax is just a big fight between the married couple and the him I, I just this... thought, so we were talking about the weird racial stuff about this movie so it's it's weird that the the shorthand for home invader in this film is black guy. Well, it's not weird. It's inappropriate, but it's not right. weird. It's, it's what you but, expect from a 90s film. Right, exactly. But at the same time, the only cop in the shown in the film who isn't a complete piece of shit is also a black guy. Yeah. Which is odd. You know what I mean? It's like, here's the positive side, but that's just to justify a racist. Well, because I don't think the movie's racist, just so we're clear. I think it's the movie was made in a time that was more racist. And use like you say this using that black guy as shorthand for home invader. Nobody thought that, that was racist at the time. I mean it clearly is. I'm not defending it, but it's people were they weren't doing it to be racist. And so when they had this other cop who's just there, they probably just hired that actor that his race doesn't seem to be a factor at any point in the movie. So they just hired whichever actor came along. And they didn't understand the way we'd be looking at it now. So, For sure. It definitely doesn't go out of its way to, to do anything. It's just, it sort of is just falling upon the cliches that were being used in just about every movie at the time. So I was wondering if this was like a response to like basic instinct coming out, you know? Because then after that there was sexy thrillers for a couple years. Yeah. But <laughs> Basic Instinct literally came out three months before this movie. Well, I don't think Basic Instinct necessarily kicked off the sexy thrillers thing. I think it was more like cable TV that kicked that off, where it was like, oh, if we make these kind of sexy movies, we can put them on late at night and actually get a lot of attention drawn to them. So they started, those movies became part of societal norms for a while there in the 80s and 90s yeah and then basically just, just the prime example of one where you're just like we got these a-list actors and it's like oh yeah for sure and i think that's the big thing it's just like oh fuck we put these well i guess michael douglas would have been the really big actor at the time sharon stone became a giant actress afterwards but um at a point i completely lost what it was I don't know. You guys uh, are all wrong. Everyone knows that the sexy thriller was started by The Chase starring Charlie Sheen. God. I think that was <laughs> after this, though, wasn't it? Just, yeah, I think probably, it was closer probably. to like I think it was like, Yeah, it was like the mid-90s. Yeah. Charlie Sheen and... Uh... 94. Two years after this movie. Yeah. I just like to randomly bring that movie up because it's such a Why? fun, stupid-ass movie. It has Cause... the Red Hot Chili Peppers in it. And Henry Rollins. Yeah. yeah. And Buffy plays the girl that Charlie Sheen kidnaps. I was going to say, the, the two people, I mean, Charlie Sheen and Christy Swanson, both horrible people. And they're the two leads. <sighs> what do you do? Uh, so what, how do we feel about Kurt Russell in this movie? He's He's fine. I think he actually... So for this not being a great movie, he kind of puts in a uh, uh, slightly more subtle performance that he normally goes for. 
You mean when he's yelling at the cop that he's going to fucking kill him? Well, but you're out of context. I'm, I'm saying in general, he plays normal husband guy pretty well for the majority of this movie. Sure. He, I would say that he's even better at it in the next movie, but... Right. And, and once again, I don't... None of the problems are his... I don't think any of the cast... It's not the cast's fault that this isn't a great movie. I actually don't have a huge problem with it, but... It's not, I mean, it's not going to be, it's not like a forgotten gem or anything from the 90s. It's not going to change your life if you've never seen it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's fine. I mean, if you just want to see Ray Liotta being impotently humped by a (laughs) random hooker chick. With her boobs out. With her boobs out, then this is your movie. (laughs) Sometimes that's something you want to see. Yeah. I mean, I... I think the thing is, like, when we watch movies, and especially if we know we're going to be discussing them with each other, we do tend to be a little excessively critical. I think a lot of people would watch this movie and just go, yeah, that was fine. No problem. Yeah. And that's a perfectly valid response to this movie. Um, so I think a lot of what we're saying here, uh, it's not that it's incorrect, but it might qualify as nitpicking. I think a lot of people would be perfectly happy to just sit back, watch the movie and enjoy life. Just, right. just watch Ray Liotta be a nutbag. Yeah. Right. And I can't remember the actor's name, but, you know, Kurt Russell's best friend, the lawyer, is played by guy who played random Jewish lawyer and everything in the 90s <laughs> and, and now makes his entire career playing uh, Jewish character's dad. <laughs> Pretty much. In the interest of fairness, I'd like to refer to him as a guy from uh, The Running Man. Who made the mistake of letting Schwarzenegger sign the contract on his back and get stabbed? Isn't that him? Mm. Not the same guy. It's not? No. Well, who was this guy in The Running Man then? I'm going to stand by the fact he was in it, even though if I'm mistaken. I don't know if he was. I know right right now the only thing I can think of that he's in is on the Goldbergs. He plays the son's best friend's dad. Uh, I'm looking at his IMDb. He was not in. Oh, he was in the Running Man as agent. Maybe he was. You know what? I I think I thought the guy from Wayne's World, who was the TV producer, was the guy that got stabbed in the back. You're right. You're you're anti-Semitic and can't tell Jewish people apart. Is that guy even Jewish? I don't know. (laughs) 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 No one called him Jewish. That's all I'm going on. I think the guy guy from Wayne's World. In in every single goddamn thing he's ever played, he always has a last name that is so stereotypically Jewish that he sure. almost has to be. Otherwise, well, it's offensive that they have him called that all of the time. In, uh, the funny thing is, in this movie, they're using like Jewish as as shorthand for lawyer. The same way they're using black as shorthand for um, yep. home invader, and it's I mean, it's not cool by today's standards. In, uh, but, you in know. Maniac, Maniac Cop, he was the mayor. And in Exorcist 3, he was Dr. Friedman. I can't remember what I was listening to. I was it, That just made me think of something random. But somebody was talking about how they don't like horror movies, but one of the greatest horror movies they've ever seen in their entire life is The Exorcist 3. And I was, I was like, it almost made me stop the podcast and be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Exorcist 3 is pretty dope. 
it's you know, it's all right. <laughs> I just that is, I don't, it, it's a weird one. It is a weird one to be, focus on, though. I was gonna say I don't know if I could put it in category of best horror movies of all time. <laughs> Or even best horror movie in the fucking Exorcist franchise. <laughs> I don't know. I think I can go Exorcist. Exorcist three is the best one in the franchise for me. What I find the, the fuck? Uh, oh, I find the first one kind of boring. Ah. yeah, that's right. I said it. I believe what's happening here right now, Noah, is that we are being trolled. <laughs> Not trolled. Answer has to be. People used to be like, "What is the most over?" Like people like, "Oh, you like horror movies." So what would you say is the most overrated horror movie? And I would say The Exorcist, because I don't find Blair it scary. Blair Witch Project. Uh, guess, uh, <laughs> how did I find myself in this situation? Can we go back to talking about 90s movies where the people making it didn't give a shit? Okay. <laughs> so you want to talk about uh, Robert, or Robert uh, Ray Liotta's uh, prolonged death scene? <laughs> the fact that it takes 11 and a half bullets to knock him over <laughs> or the fact that his face turns into a cartoon version of Ray Liotta right before he collapses <laughs> which part of it did you want to discuss first it's <laughs> so ridiculous like to. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous first of all they do the thing where he's already dead and then he like pops up but he doesn't just pop up because he's Ray Liotta he pops up and he goes ah <laughs> I got you I tricked you guys you thought I was dead but I'm not <laughs> the Kurt Russell just unloads on him with so many bullets. The and setup, just... the setup for that stupid fucking line of "arrest you," yeah, <laughs> is like almost so. Most most things in this movie, I would not say, are bad enough to warrant severe complaints about how bad they are. <laughs> that's that's worth a complaint because that's it's fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. They're basically repeating a line from earlier in the movie. However, this time they had to also have Ray the Odic to go, what are you going to do? Do a citizen's arrest on me? <laughs> Which sounds fucking dumb when you say it. Um, yeah. And then just... I don't know why the last 20 seconds of the movie are from the 80s when the rest of the movie is from the 90s. <laughs> guess that's my point. <laughs> It's like, well, what do we do? Uh, he'll shoot him like 15 times and yeah. we'll be dead. We're, we're good. What would Ernie do in these circumstances? Well, what and if they want to do? Fade to black. No fade to black. We just credits. linger. We linger on the shot for the entire credits. <laughs> what if we want to do unlawful entry too? Ah, it's fine. They'll, we'll take him to the morgue and his eyes will come open and... <laughs> He'll go kill some more people. But wouldn't he want to kill Kurt Russell again? No, doesn't matter. I don't think anybody was thinking that far ahead when they made this. <laughs> unlawful entry to even more unlawful. <laughs> Unlawflier? Does anybody know? <laughs> uh, um, so it sounds like we're kind of middling on it. It's okay. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Not, it's not great. Exactly. If you're a yeah. Kurt Russell completionist, you're not going to be mad that you watched it. I mean, if you're just looking for a random movie from the 90s, which, why the fuck are you doing that? <laughs> for, but but this is one of those. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. We got to point out the scene where they had to point out how how new cell phones were. So three business guys are standing together. A phone goes off and they all start checking. 
Is it mine? Nope, nope, it's your... Oh, no, guys, it's me. It's mine. That is one of those tropes in movies that I just don't feel applies in real life. It's like, if a phone rings and it's in your pocket or it's not in your pocket, you know. Like, you don't, you don't hear somebody else's phone <laughs> well, when you're carrying your phone in your pocket and not know that it, it wasn't you, you know? No, that, de- that depends on the type of person you are. Because most people are the type of people that they you know, go through and they find a ringtone they like and they set that and and they're very happy for the rest of their lives. And then you have people like me who never change it off the factory setting ringtone. And then you're in a restaurant and somebody's phone rings from like 30 feet away from you. And your first thought is, how did my phone get over there? (laughs) Jesus Christ. First of all, if you're the kind of monster, like this was the 90s when this movie happened, but today, if you're the kind of monster whose phone makes noise when it rings, <laughs> I, what the fuck? Come on, man. Yeah, mine's on silent pretty much 24-7. I don't know how to take mine off silent. <laughs> but when I do have, if I did have it turned up, my ringtone is uh, Get Swifty from Rick and Morty, so... I mean, if my phone wasn't turned up all the time, how on earth would I know that the people from the car warranty are needing to get a hold of me about my car's warranty? Uh, is it the IRS trying to get a hold of you? Because if you don't respond, you're going to get arrested. You guys get those there, too? We have the, our own yeah. version of that up here. Is it like people from like Indian warehouses down there? That's where, they, that's where they've tracked our scammers down to is like warehouses in India full of people just calling Canadians and pretending to be the government. Yeah, yeah I never I never answer, so couldn't tell you. Pretty much if your number is not programmed into my phone, I do not answer the phone. <laughs> and even at some point, if you are programmed into my phone and you're calling me, I'm like, well, somebody may have died. Because if not, why the fuck are you just not texting me? Hi, because because my job specifically deals with those scams, I usually answer those and I try to get them to give me information. See, I only deal with uh, Facebook scammers who think apparently think I'm like 90 years old and will easily fall for their tricks. I instead try to convince them to buy tigers with me to open up a Joe Exotic tiger petting club. And they usually get really bored of my antics after a while. But if I can string them along for a couple hours, it's good enough for me. Does that have anything to do with Ray Liotta whatsoever? Uh, I'm sure he's owned a tiger or two in his lifetime. <laughs> Seems like the type. The most important thing about Ray Liotta is that one of my favorite movies is on the list. No and, Escape? Uh, no Escape. And, we, yeah. <laughs> and, and I keep not doing it because the other, I do believe the movie that's with it is Wedlock. And I keep worrying that we're not going to be able to find that movie. Yeah. That's a very real risk. I, I believe I've got No Escape tracked down on YouTube already, just in case, because your favorite movie is one that nobody cares about, so it's free on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, nobody. It's it's not the favorite, but it's it's in my list of movies that fucking every time I have a chance to watch it, I rewatch it. Unless it requires you to watch Wedlock as well. Anyways. Just watched. I really, I really like Wedlock too. I just that movie's just every time I try to look for it, I can't find it. Does anybody have anything else they'd like to say about unlawful entry, which is what we're supposed to be talking about? Um, so apparently, I read that uh, uh, Kurt Russell and Madeline Stowe were offered uh, body doubles for the sex scene, but they both refused. 
They offered Madeline Stowe one? That was Apparently. a bluff. They knew she wasn't going to take that. <laughs> that was her whole thing in the night, like the nineties. That was her whole career. I'm gonna make a little erotic thriller, some little Madeline Stone nudity, <laughs> then somebody will torture her or chase her around or something. Maybe she'll be blind or deaf in the movie. It's hard to say. Yeah, don't know. Yeah, I suppose we should say content warning. The end, the end of the movie where Ray Liotta is getting ready to uh, violate her is pretty bad <laughs> it's 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 uh, unjustified how bad it is compared to everything else that's gone on in the movie like everything else right. is so generic and then all of a sudden it's like oh he's just gonna full on rape her right and then of course she does the the typical movie thing of like pretend to be into it so she can get at his gun and it's like yeah that's not a trope that's been used way too much do that again that's in your cool. movie yeah he also, uh, this is pre, pre-rape scene. I like her uh, just nonchalant stuff of, oh, this guy I didn't know was going to be here is in my house. But she's like, but I have to act cool about it because otherwise he's going to flip out and possibly kill me. So she's like, oh, yeah, I just uh, I need to go see if the cat's outside to let him in. I haven't, don't like to leave yeah. him outside. That's like the thing, like the way in... Like men in action movies can all of a sudden do all sorts of shit that average dudes can never do yeah. when they need to. That's chicks have the ability to play along with the psycho guy and just somehow not panic and freak out when they come in and find a psycho in their kitchen cooking them dinner. <laughs> that's just a weird movie trope that exists. I don't know why. Yeah, I also love the uh, come walking in. Oh, everything smells so good. And then there's Ray Liotta just pops up like, hey. <laughs> Like, why were you hiding behind the island? That's just how we do. Again, I think that's called lazy filmmaking. It's just, yeah. you know, how how are we gonna make her not notice him when she's coming down the stairs and shit? Oh, I don't know. Maybe he'll be behind the island. Why would he? Never mind. Nobody asked that question. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're basically saying check out unlawful entry or don't. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. Like, if you want to, I'm not telling you you shouldn't, but uh, I don't want to be responsible for people watching this either, so. Well, once Just... again, I don't think anybody would watch this and be like, God damn it, I can't believe you recommended this piece of shit. They'd probably just watch it and go, no. Oh. Yeah. So that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a thriller from the 90s. Well, that was, in fact, a movie. They weren't lying when they said it was a movie. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Noah, do you want to fast forward to 1997 and tell people about Breakdown? Uh, so breakdown, like all movies that involve a husband and wife driving across country, is is basically the movie Duel, with some other twist. Yeah, I mean that's that's all it is over and over again. <laughs> in in this case, it turns out that there's a group of rednecks who kidnap and harass people in order to blackmail them into giving up money. But but besides that, it's dual. It's a it's a guy in his car, and his wife gets taken, and there's crazy dudes in a truck and a semi that try to kill him a bunch of times. I don't think that's I don't think that's fair. I, think that, I mean, yes, it starts out that way, but he's out of his car pretty early on, and there's a lot more plot twists and a lot. Yeah, it's stuff. not it's not bad, but it's still it's still dual. Uh, I think that's an oversimplification of the plot, but that's fine. 
Well, Doug, would you like to tell us about Duel? No. Uh, about Duel? <laughs> about Breakdown? <laughs> no, I mean, I just, I think that, like, you know, like, in Duel, it's basically these two people on the road going back and forth, which is an interesting setup. In this, we have him going to the cops. We have him interacting with the people at the diner. We have him, you know what I mean? That's just a, a broader story. That's all my point would be. Yeah. I would, I, I would, I would agree. And I would say that this is, it's a little more psychological, although the psychological stuff isn't done very well. Because at first, I think they're trying to give you the impression of maybe he's wrong. Maybe he imagined all of this stuff at the beginning, but you're like, no. <laughs> no, he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I wondered if they were trying to do that. So the scene, the, the big scene in question is, so car breaks down, wife gets in with the trucker to go to a payphone. Kurt Russell stays with the car. He, he manages to fix the car. So he drives ahead to the, where the payphone's going to be to meet the wife, and she's not there. He eventually tracks down the truck, and that's when he has that confrontation with the trucker, and the trucker's playing it off like, I don't know where your wife is. Like, I've never seen you before. It's kind of weird, because it like if they're trying to do what you're suggesting, which is that you're trying to make us think, like, oh, is Kurt Russell wrong? Like, well, then you have to do it in a slightly different way where you don't necessarily show that trucker's face so much because in order for Kurt Russell to be wrong in that scenario, that like that trucker would need to have like a twin brother who also drove a big truck around, <laughs> which doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but then the, then it, in the event that, okay, if they're not trying to do that, then why does that guy play that card? Like, why does he do the whole, like, I've never seen you before thing? before the cop arrives once the once the cop arrives on scene it makes sense that he says that but why would he say it before then because wouldn't it just be more of a like fuck you i took your wife i don't care like, why would yeah. he even kind of pulled over kind of thing so it's it's i think yeah. it's just a flaw in the film they make they make way too point. many way too many attempts at fake outs because they also do the thing where at the very beginning kurt russell takes his eyes off the road for two seconds and just about plows into this truck who who legit pulls out in directly in front of him. So it's yeah. kind of everybody's fault. But then you're under the impression that those guys are just after him because of that. And it's like, well, no, they're just part of this weird conspiracy to blackmail random people. If they have a nice car, apparently. Well, I don't think they were necessarily planning to blackmail them because I think, I think they were just going to kill him and steal all their stuff. Maybe rape the wife. I'm not sure. But I think, um, yeah, I, I think that because the wife like was thinking on her feet, and she had just recently seen that special donut competition, which is a funny little plot point. But she <laughs> she blurted out like, "Oh, we have this much money, and you can have it." And that's when I think they decided to switch it over to a black man. Maybe, but if but if that's the case, then they're just murdering random people on the road to sell their car. In which, let's say that SUV is, like, fucking fantastic, right? They imply that it's the nicest SUV ever. I don't think it's right. that special, to be quite frank. But I'm saying, let's say it's an $80,000 SUV, right? That, that you can get retail price on this thing secondhand after being stolen, which I'm certain you can't. Is it worth murdering people and, and possibly getting caught for that? 
small amount of money? No. Uh, no, it's I don't think it is. Um, <laughs> if that's what you're saying. <laughs> right. I just I, I'm I'm just saying from a criminal standpoint, this what these guys are doing doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. No. No, no I agree and and you've already like torn this movie apart for me. Because you're right. Why would that dude stand outside the truck with Kurt Russell by themselves and act like he doesn't know him? Why doesn't he just get out of the truck and like shoot him in the forehead? It's yeah. like, oh, this fucking guy. I walk out of his truck like, bang, bang. All right, well, that's taken care of. Just get back in his truck and leave. Yeah, yeah like it, it's never really clear what the intentions were oh. um, of those, this criminal gang. And I'm still not even 100% sure who's in the criminal grand because there's so many of these fake outs that happen like at one point the guy lies to him and says like the guy's acting like he's a simpleton character from an 80s movie mm. and he tells the tells kurt russell that the cops are in on it but then the cops aren't in on it and then he's not actually a simpleton he's just doing it like a little shtick which is all like very elaborate but then it leads to my question of like is that guy that works at that diner in on it because he's like a real dick to Kurt Russell, who's clearly like panicked about not being able to find his wife. I don't know why you wouldn't want to help a guy in that circumstances. I, I was gonna say, I think it's one of those things that that dude's just a piece of shit. Yeah, but, but then but he's the, like, the, does the simpleton guy like go into character every time he's around that guy? Yeah, I don't understand. Like, or does he like, like was he just is he there coincidentally, or did he? somehow know to go to that diner to watch for Kurt Russell he'd never met him before how did he know because yeah, part of me is thinking like that's his like cover like he shows up every day and like waxes those cars out front and he's like well <laughs> they gotta look real good sir you know just like some like random act and then like you know when he leaves for the day he like cracks his neck and he's like fuck that guy and gets in his car <laughs> he's just he's a Kaiser Soze level criminal but... right his we, he still his only plan is to come up with kidnap this lady <laughs> made up having ninety dollars because she saw it on a donut bag, yeah. and we're gonna right. se- we're gonna sell that SUV and split it four ways. You know what's hilarious about this is when I watched this movie, I actually really enjoyed watching it, and then the minute we started talking about it, it all fell apart. Right, me too. <laughs> I just remember like I was watching it, and I'm like, oh man, this is really good. Like I'm enjoying this. It's a nice little thrill ride. And now that I'm like compounding, like, why were they fucking doing all this shit? It doesn't make any a lick of sense whatsoever. No. And not and not not a uh well, you're being nitpicky. Like, no, this literally makes no, no. freaking sense whatsoever. Yeah, the whole thing doesn't make sense. Just just like in that barn, they've got cases and cases and cases of shit like cameras and stuff that are clearly worth a bunch of money. Yeah. And if if they were doing this to make money why wouldn't they sell the cameras and stuff instead yeah. of filling them up with boxes? They just like killing people, but they didn't articulate that very well. That's and what I'm they, saying. Are these are they just like the non fucking radioactive version of the Hills Have Eyes people? <laughs> it's not. You're, it's it, it, it keeps falling apart more and more because he also like tosses the keys to his kid when he pulls up to that barn. And he's like, go on inside, go on, open up the barn for dad so I can get in and do my stuff. But then the wife and kid have no idea that this is going on and all that stuff is stored in the barn. That's why <laughs> it's there's locked. Like a, 
There's like God. a trap door with a freezer in it that he stores humans in, and they don't know about that. That's a little Guess weird. Not. <laughs> Guess I feel not. like. Does it feel you like what? you Fuck guys this movie. that this that this entire movie is just a giant setup for that last scene of the the cab of that truck hanging over the bridge and them having their weird cliffhanger style fight well, side of a dangling. Uh, I, I think you're exaggerating because I think it's the scene is a bunch of plot points that we've just pointed out don't make sense designed to get you to these intense action moments because there are a few good ones in the movie um like yeah, there's I a enjoyed, lot of breaks. I, I enjoyed the, the action scene where they were chasing kurt russell and he ended up going down that hill and driving right into the river to get away and stuff i thought that was well done i loved the scene when kurt russell finally uh got control of that one bad guy and like put that duct tape around his neck when he was driving so he's like driving along and he keeps <laughs> slamming on the brakes and choking the guy it's definitely a weird <laughs> like Johnny I, I like the uh like, the, the bit where he's hanging from the bottom of the uh yeah that was good going down yeah. the road and he has to kind of although are you guys a little confused by the fact that he starts off in a position that's not ideal but is absolutely like supportable. You know what I mean? He just has to kind of like sit there. He's got a iron brace underneath him and stuff. He's, he's yeah. pretty good. And instead decides to take the most risky path possible and climb underneath this thing all around into the guy's view and then up around into the weird wind break on top for some reason. Yeah. It was a, an odd decision. Cause when he first jumped into that, like, I think it's like a thing to hold spare tire that was just empty, and I'm thinking, oh yeah, you could lay in that thing. Like it looks like it's big enough, and he and he's supported, and he just wouldn't be very comfortable. But you could sit in there for a while, and then he's like, no, can't do it. Got to kind of make my way to the front where it's a little more comfy. Well, is that car drove by him and that kid like locked eyes, and I don't know if he thought maybe he was too visible there. Like somebody eventually would be like, hey, you got somebody under your truck. Oh, maybe. But I don't know. The amount of time it took and the risk he took of being in the rearview mirror, I don't know if it would be worth it just to get up in the in the wind uh, break or whatever. What's the other Kurt Russell uh, truck driver thriller thing? Big Trouble, it... Big Trouble in Little China. No, is it Black Dog? <laughs> is that the name of the movie? That's Patrick Black... Swayze. Yeah. No, that's Patrick Swayze. Yeah, you're right. I don't know if there is one. I think this is it. Because I think I think whenever I started watching this, I think I was getting this and Black Dog confused in my head for some reason. And I kept being like, oh, no, this thing's going to happen. And then I'm like, oh, no, that didn't happen. But I remember this. So then this thing's going to happen. And then it's like, oh, no, that's that other movie again. <laughs> um, you think an executive decision when he was on the plane? <laughs> so we're just going to try to psychoanalyze Noah's decision making power like what could he have been thinking about 3,000 miles to Graceland yep that's the one is it really no oh no I no I think I think I haven't seen literally it, so was was Black Dog with Patrick Swayze I think my brain just transposed Kurt Russell into Patrick Swayze for some reason Black Dog my, my brain was just like my brain just went charismatic blonde guys same person. 
uh, came out a year after this, so but I think we should we should recognize that it stars Patrick Swayze, Randy Travis, and Meatloaf. Jesus. <laughs> Let's move on from that discussion. Um yeah, but so so for the fact that this movie completely falls apart if you think about it for more than half a second. <laughs> yep. It's actually really entertaining and fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just nonsense. That's the only problem. Like the plot is nonsense. Well, I felt like it was it was a good 90s update of like the Hitchcock trope of just like an everyman who gets pulled into this crazy shenanigans and of course they 90s it up with slapping women around and yeah. <laughs> shooting cops in the head I guess I, de- I definitely yeah I definitely enjoyed watching it I like I see what you're saying about it being a kind of the ever man getting pulled into it and it's it's really just if you just take the trope of okay they kidnapped his wife he's trying to get her back it's fine it's just just because none of it makes any sense at the end of the day, like that's all that needs to matter. Right. And this is like, yeah. it is produced by like Dino Laurentiis, So I don't know why we expected it to make sense, <laughs> but it's like, you know, like a lot of the stuff that happens is really good when they have him going into the bank and stuff. That seems pretty tense. And I like the yeah. tension of it. Now it also makes no goddamn sense because if a guy walks into a bank acting that way, you don't let him clear out his account in ones. That's not how that works. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, there are systems in place to prevent that. And like, you work in banking, Noah. How would that work? The way he was behaving, we literally train people to spot people behaving like that. Yeah, like it's it's required. It's legally required that every member of the bank staff be able to identify that type of behavior. He would have been reported really, really fast. And he would not now have been allowed pr- to get his $5,000 out in $1 bills so he could trick them. Well, see, now that that gets a little more complicated because technically it's his money and there isn't a whole lot you can do to prevent someone from taking their money. Does that does that make sense? Even even yes. if you know something untoward is going on, like we have all sorts of stop gaps and measures to take to try to convince them otherwise and to make sure that, you know, the proper people are notified of what's going on. But I mean if well, someone's being scammed, if an old lady comes in and says she needs to pull out $20,000 in cash because the the guy on the computer told her if she doesn't, they're going to erase her baby pictures or whatever the fuck it is, you got to give her that money. It's her money. You can tell her it's a scam and that it's not real and all that kind of stuff, but if they insist, it's their money. Hmm. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I didn't like that he was about to tell that guy, and then the other guy walks in, and you don't know if he's if he's involved. Yeah. So he's just like, ah, oh, fuck. That element of it, I thought re- that worked really well. Like, I don't know to this day if that guy's involved or not. Yeah, he may, maybe he may not be. Doesn't matter. What matters is that it screwed up Kurt Russell's plan. <laughs> I like that he goes into the bathroom and he's like, all right, let's find a weapon, plunger. Well, no, can't use a plunger. But what if we take the plunger part off? Yeah, stick. Ah, fuck this stick. <laughs> well, because he tries to hide it up his sleeve and he can't figure out how to make it look natural. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. 
I'm just kind of sad because I, I really enjoyed this movie when I watched it, and now I'm just like, God, what a, what a piece of garbage. It's, it's, listen, we it's ruined it for a, ourselves. It's, it's not a garbage movie. It's just got the plot is nonsense. This is nonsense. Yeah. But there's a lot of like really tense moments where I think they did a good job, like the director did a good job of creating tension. I really like the one in the... So when you, they get to the house where the wife is locked up in the barn and Kurt Russell can't get to save her, so he decides he's going to take them all hostage and demand the keys to get her out. Um, and the kid shows up with a gun and has got a point at Kurt Russell. It's like, God damn, are they, is Kurt Russell going to get shot by a child in this movie? Like, I really didn't know how that was going to play out. And I was just... Yeah. I, I thought it worked really well. Yeah, and even before he got to the house, I did like this stuff where Kurt Russell's kind of just watching and he's trying to figure out what the fuck they're doing and they're yeah. just like yelling at each other, <laughs> bullying shit out of the truck and then all of a sudden, uh-oh, secret compartment. And then even the moment where it's like, ah, oh, fuck. She must have died from the exhaust. Oh, well. Barrier in the back, and he's just like so pissed. You can see his eyes welling up because he's so mad. Well, just that moment when he when he realized that he and his wife rode there on the same truck, and he <laughs> didn't know. <laughs> How frustrated would you be? <laughs> it wasn't the same truck, was it? Because they show up later oh, with like that? the white, the, like a white panel moving van. Oh, it was a different truck. Okay. Yeah, but that would have been a more fucked up twist. That's what they should have done. How that. that like I know this is basically an action movie and so we're not supposed to think as much as we are about it but how fucking dark is it that they just took this woman wrapped her up like a fucking mummy in sheets and then tucked her into this like little compartment that's about the same size as like one of those drawers that they have in morgues for storing bodies and they just left her in there and they drove overnight with her in there like what the fuck out like I'm reasonably confident she's traumatized at this point but no time to deal with that because now we got a big truck that's going to drive right through a trailer where they're hiding. <laughs> Which was fucking awesome. That was a great moment. <laughs> My favorite thing about it was so they're like, the, the, the truck comes and goes right through the trailer and they manage to avoid it and they run out and get in like the pickup truck or whatever that they're about to steal. And then the truck turns around and comes straight back for them, but he goes right back through the hole that he made in the trailer last time. <laughs> for some reason, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> and that does lead us to our big climax that was I have to say like it was super fun when they're all like <laughs> on that bridge fighting and the truck is hanging off there and the, the wife's stuck in the one truck and Kurt Russell and the other guy are like duking it out on the truck as it's like hanging off the side of the thing <laughs> yeah I didn't like when it went over and Kurt Russell's just flying free goes right through the windshield yeah I mean, he is in full-on action hero mode at this point, where he can like be falling, free fall, having just gone through a windshield, and then reach out and grab the grill and catch and hang on. It's like, yeah, yeah that's about right. Yeah, no dislocated shoulders, nothing. Right. Yeah. You gotta love that ending too, of you know they're looking down at the guy and you know he moves, insinuating he's still alive, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's going to happen. And then the wife's like, nope. <laughs> and drops that fucking truck on him. <laughs> like, all right. I can't blame you. Yeah, there's some pretty spectacular uh, vehicle action scenes in this. Yeah. Yeah, the truck smash at the end is pretty fantastic. Just drop a truck off a bridge on a guy. 
Yeah. And again, well, we we took care of that. Let's hug each other and roll credits. Yeah, it's everything's fine now. <laughs> there's no more consequences to this. By the end of this movie, there's like what? Are all the bad guys dead? Or did that one guy just get shot in the shoulder by the kid's gun and then just they just left him behind? Is he even dead? He might be. I mean, they don't deal with the the dude who was playing the uh the the 80s mentally handicapped guy, right? Uh his car flips over and explodes. Okay. Yeah, so I assume yeah, he died right. in that, but or if if he didn't die in it when they see him crawling out, they'll just drop a truck on his ass. <laughs> I was just thinking that you saw him run off into the night and then it's never addressed again. But you're now right. he shows so up in his shows yeah, back up the car. in his yeah. Firebird. That they have a road chase, yeah. And then the the guy that looks like a uh, more obese Uncle Jesse from Dukes of Hazards. Yes. I think his car flips at some point. So we're just, are we just assuming he's dead, I guess? Yeah, because it's the trailer comes loose, and I think he's behind it, and he don't, goes through it, and then his car tips on, like, its side or whatever. I think we're supposed to... I don't imagine that big guy climbing out of that wreck. Because yeah, there's also a police officer who was killed earlier in this. There's, you know, countless other people that have gone missing that we don't know about. None of that gets addressed. It's just... It'll be nope. fine. It'll all be fine. Kind of weird how all the missing people just stopped happening around this area. That's a, like, to imagine, like movies like this always. Maybe it's just me getting older, but I always think like, so that chick, the, the wife, she's in therapy for a long time. Kurt Russell, <laughs> therapy for a long time. The <laughs> wife of the head of the criminal gang, like she had no idea her husband was doing this, and by the end of the movie, she's like helping him. She's screwed up. That poor kid that just shot like, <laughs> you know, Uncle Jesse who comes over for breakfast sometimes, and now yeah. I shot him. That kid's fucked. All these people are fucked for the rest of their lives. This isn't a happy ending to this movie. No. Like we still don't know if that, that sheriff who got shot for no reason does he have a family? We don't know. <laughs> yeah, we don't even know if he died or not. That's a really small town. And what about that guy that runs the diner? He's going to be losing all that business now. He's probably going under. It's going to be a vicious uh, cycle. Oh, I think the first thing I would do after all that, I would drive back to the diner and just fucking brain that dude with a golf club. <laughs> golf club was last movie. Yeah. But I still get your point. We should also mention Kurt Russell has another flip cell phone in this. And it's weird from 92 to 97, 98. Nice. Cell phone tech, cell phone technology has not jumped very far. No, no, people were still just excited to have a cell phone back then. Like it's actually listen unusual they, they, to have had one in ninety seven, ninety eight. They built the what was it, the Nokia ninety two hundred or whatever the fuck that thing was, mm -hmm. and that was the phone for a decade, and then all of a sudden, it went from that to oh. There are Blackberries with personal assistance inside of your cell phone to fucking giant super cell phones in two years somehow. <laughs> that progression was very quick. Stole it from aliens, dude. Independence Day taught us that. That's why you can kill a mothership with a uh, Mac computer. Uh, so what, what do we think of this movie, even though we've kind of killed it for ourselves by the time we finish this review? 
so like it's once again this one's totally worth a watch it was it was a lot of fun watching it i i dig everybody's performances you just gotta forgive the fact that there are uh plot holes like potholes in the the interstate that they're battling on i mean it's (laughs) plot holes big enough you can drive a truck through just like you did that trailer yeah, pretty pretty much. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think we put too much thought into the plot for this movie and kind of spoiled it for ourselves. But at the end of the day, it was a super fun watch. And it is more of an action movie than anything else. It's an action thriller, I guess. And we we justify a lot of dumb shit in 80s action movies that we don't put nearly this much criticism into. <laughs> so I, I think people could enjoy it if they just watch it and don't. Just understand you're going into a Dino De Laurentiis film about a guy whose wife gets kidnapped and he's going to try to get her back. And that, on that level, I think the tension really works. I think the action scenes were good. So it, I had a lot of fun watching it, just just not talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask Amanda if she wanted to watch this one with me, and I couldn't sleep last night, so I just knocked both these movies out while I was sitting up. <laughs> But now that I'm thinking about it, she probably would have been like, but why didn't they? And I would have been like, you're ruining the movie. Stop talking about it. Uh, anything else before we move on? No, I think that's it. No. Yeah, I mean, people should watch this movie and then not listen to our review of it that they've already listened to to get here. So uh, that they don't ruin it for themselves. Boo. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, what did everybody watch this week? Uh, watched a few things. Uh, so I sat down and uh, caught the first three episodes of Invincible. Which I also watched. Which I also watched. Oh, yeah. In which, God <laughs> damn it, that voice cast is good. <laughs> it's weird, right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's some next level shit. It really is. You're like, fuck, every single person in this show is somebody that I'm like, yep, that's it. They nailed it right there. Well, I just loved it because uh, I, I sort of knew the cast and then kind of forgot about this show for like a year because, you know, it's an animated show, so it takes forever to come out. And that was randomly scrolling through stuff I'm like, oh, yeah, John Hamm's going to be in this. I wonder who he's going to play. I bet, like, he'd probably be a good Omni-Man, but, you know, maybe they'll use him for, for a villain or maybe one of the other superheroes. Nope, security guard. <laughs> <laughs> well, just everything. Fucking the, pretty much the second you heard uh, Omni Man talking, it was J.K. Simmons. I was like, fuck yes. <laughs> Omni Man's got a mustache. Who do we know that's a mustache? Right. Get J.K. It's, Simmons it's, on the phone. It is literally like they drew him to look like J.K. Simmons, like the old like, Nick Fury story. <laughs> like, that's the same kind of thing here. <laughs> and I'm actually so I'm I'm pretty familiar with Invincible, but but only sparsely. 
I don't think I've ever sat down and read the whole thing straight through. I read like the first trade and then some of the later trades and kind of jumped around a bunch. I got up to volume 18 or 19. Yeah. Were the, uh, I'm trying to remember, were the reveals about Omni-Man that early? I believe so. I remember it happened pretty quickly. Okay. I See, I was thinking it went on a little while before you started getting into that stuff. Mm. But maybe I'm just remembering it wrong. Yeah, and Doug doesn't know a whole lot past three episodes, so don't spoil it for him. I literally, I knew, I never heard of Invincible until the day that this showed up on Prime. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what's this? And I clicked on it and I saw that it was like rated for adults or whatever. And I was like, oh, well, now I want to see it. You're like, that's hey, Lando, the, come here. That's how I got it. No, he did walk in while I was watching episode one. He got a confused look on his face like, you watch superhero cartoons when I'm not here too, Dad? Like, that's weird, isn't it? <laughs> like, but um, yeah, like, so I went into it completely blind, literally knowing nothing. It starts off so fucking generic. And I was like, oh, I'm not watching three episodes of this. Like, it's the fake Justice League and they're saving the day. And no one cares. And it's like the closest thing to something interesting is that he's got a kid that's going to get superpowers. Not anything. And then the end of that first episode, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I, 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 yeah, it's it's one of those comic book series. It's it's hard to explain to people what's good about it because no, it, it's not a lot it's, of the things that are good about it sound dumb on paper, but you're like, no, it's, it's smart. It's way smarter than you think it is. <laughs> it's no, it's that, that twist at the end of episode one where, so I guess spoilers. So we're doing, sure. Um, why not? At the end of, I, yeah. Yeah. Definitely spoilers. If, if you are planning on, watching this do you haven't read the comics like seriously don't don't fucking listen yeah. to us talk about this it's important because <laughs> the the whole comic book series is kind of known for all the, the basically a, a never-ending series of what the fuck stuff happening yeah <laughs> so but that that first what the fuck thing is just the the Superman stand in killing the rest of the Justice League in a very, very brutal and drawn out, like 10 minute long scene. Yeah. And I was just like, this is fucking, first of all, it looked awesome. I'm loving watching him like kill all the different people and they're all fighting back. And I'm like, this is great. And then at the same time, I'm going like, what the fuck? This, this felt like that first episode felt like it could have been a kid's show with the exception of a couple of maybe like languages, things that they'd have to t- clean up or whatever. Mm. Um, and then it turns into that. And I'm just like, I was hooked. And so like, you know, watching the rest of it and all of a sudden there's fucking like a wannabe Constantine character showing up to do like an investigation. <laughs> and, sort know. of a Constantine Hellboy. Immaculate, uh, yeah. Well, he's, immaculate he's, he's Etrigan. Yeah, that too. Plus for yeah. Noah to keep him entertained, they did throw in the big like love triangle with the teenagers. So, that's important. It's two love triangles, really. There's, there's two love triangles in the first three episodes. Of this. Well, well, but it kind of the weird thing is normally that's the kind of shit I don't want. But in, in this comic book series at all, once again, it's all really clever because <laughs> this story is a coming of age story. I mean, that's that's what it is. And but it's about how complicated and awful it would actually be to like <laughs> develop superpowers tomorrow and have all that shit fall on you. 
like it's complicated and messy and awful and yeah there's great stuff but then there's all this horrifying stuff that you never thought you'd have to deal with yeah and then as it gets further into it and uh he's got to deal with his dad and stuff that's it just gets i don't know it's it's emotionally deep and complicated yeah well i think that they're doing a good job of setting up the coming conflict with the dad which i think is pretty evident that's going to happen at some point um but i think they're doing a good job of building that tension gradually where you can actually see that relationship like almost like the dad wanted him to get just superpowers but the minute he got him he didn't seem very happy about it and there's a lot of like just the little things like where the dad's just hitting him a little too hard and pushing him in the wrong ways when they're training together and stuff where you're just like it it feels like there's conflict brewing here and that's in an animated show that's something very hard to pull off too right so I, I thought they did a really good job with it all. Again, I have no idea where this is actually headed because I yeah. did, didn't know it existed. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I uh, I started reading it when I was like, I kind of want like a superhero comic, but I'm so like burnt out on having to know like 80 years of history to read shit. So I was like, I wish there was like a self-contained like superhero story. I was like, oh, that's right. Kirkman did a Invincible. And like, you don't have to read anything outside of the Invincible book. Like, there's no like big giant crossover. I mean, Image did do a couple like big events, but you don't need to read anything about it. I mean, now, now there's a little bit of extended universe stuff, but yeah. Yeah, they've spun off into like Invincible Universe and Guardians of the Globe stuff. But I even looked that up, and there's like two trades of the Guardians of the Globe stuff. So it's not even, you know, super going out of your way to keep up with anything. Yeah, I don't know. There's just so much. There's so much about it that I like. Like, like the fact that all of them have bad names, and that's kind of like a running joke, where they point out the fact that like superhero names are fucking stupid. They really are like they don't. They're just dumb at Adam Eve, you know, <laughs> duplicate Rexplode. My favorite robot. Just robot. Yeah. I, I like robot. Yeah, his name is robot. Just just robot. I like that uh, Rexplode is living up to the douchiness I thought he would be when I read the comics. Oh, and once once again, voice cast, they couldn't have picked a fucking better person than fucking Rolfie from the league. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Mansukas would be his proper name, but Yeah. They don't get they don't get real names in my world. <laughs> no, he is he is perfect as that douchey character. Um and he's I mean it's kind of the only thing he can do, but he does it well. And yeah so every friday new episode drops i'm gonna be busy on fridays now man there's only uh eight episodes total so all right oh they fucked me up i i so i didn't even realize they were making an invincible show Mm -hmm. so whenever it dropped i was so stoked and i started watching it and whenever you know i saw multiple episodes i was like oh yeah 
a show I get to binge. And it nope. hit the end of episode three and it stopped and I was like, wait, what happened? I went back and I looked at it and I was like, did they only do three episodes in this season? That doesn't make any sense. And then I looked it up and it was like, they're dropping three episodes and then it's weekly. I was like, fuck, they, they fucking tricked me. Fooled <laughs> <laughs> again. Yeah. I am curious, like in later episodes, though, because uh, like Savage Dragon shows up and stuff, like other image characters that are pretty big. I don't know. Just... The Savage Dragon one's the one I don't, I don't know how they'll do that because he's... I don't know. I have yeah. to assume it would cost a lot of money to put him into a cartoon series. I'm just, yeah, unless, I mean, unless Kirkman and uh, Larson are like buddies and Larson will do him a favor. And then, I mean, Amazon dropped a shit ton of money on this voice cast. They had to have. I mean, I really can't believe there isn't more Savage Dragon stuff out there now. Yeah. Like, doesn't it feel like there should have been a Savage Dragon movie or something? Seems like it. Do you know Savage Dragon is, Doug? Nope. Uh, so when, when Image was formed, uh, that's back when, like, Spawn came out. Yeah. Uh, Eric Larson was one of the creators of Image Comics. And his big character was Savage Dragon. And he's a giant green guy who's a cop in Chicago. But he has a giant fin, like, on his head. And he's uh, he's done crossovers with like Ninja Turtles and all kinds of stuff. And I mean, I think like I never really read it that much, but books getting out on time and stuff. And he's a few, I think, from from the image people who actually kept on a decent schedule. Yeah. Savage Dragon's really interesting because like his backstory is basically he just woke up one day and if I remember right in a crater or something like that with no memories. And so he's, he's basically a superhero, you know, he's kind of pseudo invincible and super strong and all that kind of stuff. And just, but he's just a guy cause he can't remember anything. <laughs> so he just joins the police force and becomes a cop. And then of course, as time goes on, you find out a little more about, maybe who he was before he lost his memory and it's kind of a born identity kind of situation where maybe yeah. maybe he was not a good person before losing his memories mm-hmm. yeah but I think it's just it's really known for being really consistent since image started so that means there's been a shit ton of issues of the savage dragon comic book but he doesn't seem to get as much love as like Spawn and all that other stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird too because people fucking love it. Like I don't think I've ever picked up an issue of Savage Dragon and, and been disappointed. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I remember he shows up in uh, Invincible, so that's what I'm saying. I'm just curious if if they're going to be able to do that or they're going to have to write around that whatever that issue was or whatever. I don't know. The only thing I remember is eventually there's like a werewolf character. And if I remember right, one of the spinoff Invincible Universe comics has to do with that werewolf character. There's the Astonishing Wolfman. Is that the one you're talking about? That might be it. Yeah, I think that might have been its own thing. And then they crossed over 
like another thing that Kirkman was doing, but then he brought him over into Invincible. I don't know. Honestly, I was going through Kirkman's bibliography for all the stuff that he has written since, you know, he started doing his own stuff. And I don't know how the fuck that dude has time to do anything. Yeah, one of the things I was confused, and once again, I think I'm remembering it wrong because it seems like this cartoon's been pretty comic book accurate. The The whole thing with him going into the alternate dimension uh, Omni-Man and the wife isn't upset by that, but she was upset whenever he got hurt. For some reason, I remember that being the opposite way in the comic books, and I don't know why. That she she wasn't upset seeing him get the shit beat out of him and almost die, because he does that all the time. But him getting sucked into another dimension is what upsets her, because she just doesn't know. Yeah, I don't remember. But like I said, it's been a long time since I read those, so... Me too. I was thinking about jumping back in again. But... We'll see. Um, all right. Did you watch anything else, Noah? Uh, I did. So Resident Alien, the Alan Tudyk show, popped up on Peacock. Nice. So I'm I'm excited about that. So I watched about the first three episodes of that. Uh, I'm kind of surprised by how dark it is. I, yeah, not not, I not, in a, not in a bad way. I thought it was just going to be kind of lighthearted and funny, but it's more funny and slightly fucked up or mean, maybe. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it if you guys haven't watched any of it yet. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it. No, you're making me want to see it more, though. It's the funny part. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of fucked up. So Dark I, and mean, you say? Yeah, well, so Alan Tudyk plays an alien that crash lands on Earth uh, who then replaces this random doctor who's on vacation in Alaska. And through shenanigans, of course, the doctor in town ends up dead and they call him in to assist. And he has to sort of become the new town doctor, even though he was trying to hide out and stay away from people. But I don't, I don't know. Like I said, it's it's kind of hard to describe because it's not like super duper mean spirited or anything. It's just kind of fucked. Like his nemesis so far in the show is like a 10 year old boy who the 10 year old boy has some kind of random genetic mutation that allows him to see through his disguise. So this kid knows he's an alien and he has spent the first three episodes on a fairly concerted effort to murder a 10 year old boy. <laughs> And, of course, it doesn't work. Like, he he cuts the brake lines on his bicycle, knowing that he has to ride down this really steep hill that goes into a busy street and, and shit like that. One of the first episodes, he gets drunk and, like, he doesn't understand what alcohol does to the human body. So he doesn't realize his judgment's impaired. So he just goes to the kid's house and, like, breaks in and is just going to choke this kid to death in the middle of the night. It's I don't know. It's it's funny and messed up. I would watch a TV series of a drunk uh, Alan Tudyk just choking children in the middle of the night in their bedrooms. Well, that's what I'm saying. If nothing else, it's it's Alan Tudyk being awkward and funny, which is what he does, like to to a level of perfection that is upsetting. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's a high recommend. 
Hmm. Yeah, I'll uh, see if I get around to it at some point. I think that's it. Godzilla and Kong comes out at midnight. Midnight or 2 a.m.? Something like that. Either way, you, you know what the worst thing is? Wednesdays, I have stuff going on, which means I can't watch it tomorrow. Which I'm like, <laughs> I gotta wait an extra day after the release? This is bullshit. <laughs> First world problems. Yeah. And the AMC next to my work is showing it in IMAX because they're back open now. And I was like, oh, I really shouldn't go. But I'll probably watch it Thursday night. If it's good, I might go see it in IMAX Friday. There'll probably be nobody there. It's probably the best time to go. Right. What would you watch, Doug? I, uh, I don't have a lot. I watched uh, Invincible, which we've talked about. Um, I watched that documentary about Andre the Giant that came out a few years ago. Oh, yeah? That was super fun. It's a pointless puff piece, but it was fun. It's <laughs> Yeah, I saw. I still haven't watched it, but uh, it's. I mean, it's just a bunch of guys talking about how much they like Andre. Nobody has yeah. anything negative to say. I can't. Yeah. It's one of those guys I've never heard a negative thing about him. Like all the negative Did, uh... stories are like about him beating guys up in the ring. But I think that was just acceptable in wrestling in the seventies and eighties. <laughs> so I don't think, it, and nobody yeah. seems to have a problem with it. Yeah, I was well, gonna say I, I can't remember if it was Roddy Piper or Jake the Snake Roberts that told some story that they blew him off one night that Andre wanted to go out drinking and they made it up an excuse to not go drinking and instead went back to their trailer and went to bed and Andre basically broke their door down came inside their house and beat the shit out of them for five minutes for (laughs) dipping on him and not telling the truth (laughs) but again in the 70s and 80s that was kind of socially acceptable behavior if you were a dick you got smacked for it well, plus, who's going to tell Andre that he's doing something wrong? Yeah, nobody. That's. Yeah. I uh, I'd always heard stories that if you were if you were in the middle of a match and he didn't like how the match was going, he would just take his thumb and shove it right in your asshole. Such a weird thing. <laughs> I hadn't heard that one. That doesn't come up in the family friendly documentary. I, I bet not. They do talk a bit about some of the struggles that Andre had being a fucking actual giant. And, you know, shit like, you know, flying all the way to Japan and you don't fit physically through the door into the bathroom on a plane. So, what do you do? (laughs) Turns out they'd have to, like, use a bucket. There'd have to be a guy whose job it was to empty his bucket. (laughs) Which sucks. Like, but... But it doesn't concentrate on that stuff. It sticks mostly to... You know, like, there's a whole section where different people tell fart stories about Andre the Giant, because he apparently he used to like to fart. So, what do you do? So, recommend if you're a wrestling fan from the 70s and 80s and you just want to have a good time. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely need to check it out at some point. Never got around to it. Yeah, it's not a... You're not missing anything, but... Yeah, I'm just, I guess I'm more concerned about getting to the part of the documentary where they talk about how sad he was at, towards the end of his life with all of his health issues yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it is pretty depressing. I mean, the, the whole story is kind of like, it's one of those weird stories, though, where it's just like, he got that big and never went to a doctor and went, hey, why am I a giant and nobody else is? 
Like, <laughs> and the only re- like they they get into it a little bit. And they're like basically like he had some ankle injury like from wrestling, and they went in to get surgery and stuff. And surgeon's like, I think you have this weird disease, and there's stuff they can do to treat it. And he's just like, Nah, is he? <laughs> so yeah. there you go. There's there's some other stuff too, like where they get into it a little bit. Like he had a daughter who he wasn't didn't see very often. And they all talk about how he's sad that he didn't see her very often. Yet, I don't know. Then why didn't you just see her more is always the question I have. So it's kind of a weird thing, right? But I don't really understand how society worked back then, because like, nowadays it's kind of a given that if you have a kid and you have an interest in seeing them, you'll get to. Like, it's not... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it worked that way back then. If the... Even if there weren't different laws, I just don't think, as a society, it wasn't understood that, like, if a guy had a kid, the kid would just go live with him part-time or whatever, whereas now that's kind of standard. Yeah. I think a lot of that was just the way wrestlers lived at the time, too. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. What's he going to do, take custody of a kid and be a single dad when he's, like, literally, like, in a territory for a week at a time kind of thing? Yeah. So basically gone 300 days a year it was mostly mostly fun though um, I didn't watch any other actual movies no I watched the what, what, what did I do I watched the first episode of the Mighty Ducks TV show that came out Disney yeah how's that it's, it's it's a Mighty Ducks TV show alright <laughs> set in the Emilio Estevez, the Mighty Duck guy, swear to God. <laughs> I'm just saying, no Joshua Jackson, I'm out. I don't know. I it, it it's very much a modern day retelling of Mighty Ducks. Like the the concept is like it's, now, it's modern times. The Mighty Ducks are like now this like established team that are constantly winning state championships and shit and all the kids have like trainers and college scouts are there and the parents are all like making sure they eat properly so they grow into super athletes and all this and then the one kid whose mom like can't afford to put him in like summer camps or whatever he ends up getting cut and now he's going to start his own team and Emilio Estevez is going to coach it. He's not coaching it yet, but he's going to be. So. <laughs> yeah, he's going to coach it. Don't you worry. <laughs> I'm not particularly worried about where that plot point is headed. I think <laughs> got it all figured out. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a kid's show. And it's like, they've kind of, but it's kind of fun. And for some reason, Emilio Estevez is eating cake in like every scene. Yeah. <laughs> It's in his contract. It's literally like the so the plot point is that he is you know retired and he's running this like ice rink in downtown and they go in there and they're gonna rent ice time off of him and he's like turned his back he doesn't want anything to do with hockey anymore but he's gonna <laughs> rent them the ice but but he's there you know he needs the money so he's gonna rent them this uh, ice time and uh, he just he's always going into like the party room where the kids that are have like their birthday parties at the skating rink and just grabbing the extra cake and eating it but he's just eating cake for the uh, as soon as it happens once he's just every other scene he's just got cake it's great <laughs> i don't know why it made me laugh though and not like a plate with cake on it like the tray 
with the leftover cake on it, carrying it around, just eating it with a fork <laughs> and offering some to people somewhere every once in a while. I, uh, I just love the he's turned his back on hockey uh, plot point because for some reason what just pops into my head is Chota Boy from Orgasmo. It's like, Dad, I don't think I want to do Hanger style anymore. Okay. <laughs> that being like the end of it. Uh, so any good? You gonna keep watching? Yeah, I'll probably keep watching. Although like my fucking Fridays are gonna be busy now. Fucking Mighty Ducks, <laughs> Invincible apparently. <laughs> Falcon of the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Be weird if that's the one that gets dropped. Hey guys, when are we going to start talking spoiler spoiler talk about the Mighty Ducks? Game changers. The one kid is really good at being a goalie in video game hockey, so they're going to make him be the goalie in the real hockey team. <laughs> and we'll see if those skills are transferable or not. <laughs> good lord. Is, uh, I know some of the original cast is going to be showing up at some point. Yeah, I don't know who or what. I don't. I, I know nothing about this. I just it popped up, and I'm like, Mighty Ducks. I better watch that. I was just wondering if Goldberg was going to show up. The uh, the goalie uh, kid that was really big and then yeah. got on meth and got like scary skinny. You know what? Apparently yeah, now he... looks halfway decent. I'm guessing that he's not in season one because he was on too much meth when they were filming. Awesome. But I, given the story and the, the press coverage it got, it, if there's a season two, I assume he'd show up for that. <laughs> it's like, look, I turned my life around. I'm definitely not going to use this paycheck to go buy more meth. Oh, he's using his Disney money for meth again, isn't he? Just like Hannah Montana. Fucking bitch. I will say that because, like, you bring up Hannah Montana. I sat through a lot of like fucking Disney Channel shows with my nieces over the years, mm. and the Mighty the Mighty Ducks is not one of those. It's <laughs> more in line with like the original Mighty Ducks than it is with those fucking teeny bopper Disney shows that they make. Yeah. So. Mm. Uh, anything else? No, that is literally it. I was stretching to get to that much stuff to talk about. Well, I only watched two things, and I really only want to talk about one of them. All right. I watched a movie called White of the Eye, and it was fucking terrible. All right. Uh, it's from the 1980s. It's got David Keith in it, not to be confused with Keith David. David Keith. I don't know which one of them you mean, but all right. The white one. Okay. Um, and I don't know. They're showing... Some uh, somebody's killing women, and he's the likely suspect. But he's got he's got reasons. He got alibis. He's like the main character. So it's like, well, of course people think it's him, but it's not him. And you know, his wife and kid are like really upset about it. And there's flashbacks to how him and his wife met, and she was dating somebody else, and was just passing through town on her way to L.A. And uh, the movie likes to jump around in time a lot. So the only, the only way you know kind of what time period you're in is if if it, uh, David Keith has a long mullet or a short mullet. Okay. Um, and a lot of this movie just makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Yeah. 
up to the point where uh, the wife discovers body parts in their in their bathroom, and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, those women I killed." And you're like, "Wait, what?" You're just nonchalantly throwing that out there, like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I was going to tell you about that. It's no big deal." I think you're supposed to lie about that. Yeah, it, it was so fucking weird, and. And when I put, I gave it a half star on Letterboxd. And when I put the half star, I looked at the other reviews. People were giving it like four stars. And I'm just like, what the fuck did you see in this movie? This was fucking terrible. Dude, people, you can't talk to people about things. No. So that was horrible. Don't ever watch it. Um, and then today, uh, I watched a documentary called Wolfman's Got Nards. I already love it. It's uh, the kid who played the main kid in Monster Squad did a documentary about the people who love Monster Squad. And uh, you keep talking. I'm just looking if that's available from anywhere in Canada. So. <laughs> uh, so it's him just sort of talking about the phenomenon. And it's not really a, like a making of documentary. I mean, they go over certain aspects and stuff. They talk to everybody. They talk to people who aren't even involved in the movie. They talk to Seth Green at some point. And apparently he tested for the movie, really wanted to get the movie, and didn't get it. But, yeah, they talked to just, like, a bunch of indie directors and stuff, like Joe Lynch and Adam Green. And they talked to Fred Decker, of course, and uh, Shane Black. And they talk about how they came up with the story and filming. And they talked to a bunch of special effects people. Then they talked to a bunch of fans who really have no connection to the movie other than it's one of their favorite movies and uh they kind of just go over that whole phenomenon and just the weirdness of okay we made this movie it came out nobody saw it um it went to video stores i didn't see it in the theater i'm really bummed i didn't but and then it went to went to video and apparently everybody fucking rented the video like crazy but nobody really knew that. They all just figured out, well, this movie's dead. Moved on. And then nobody from the movie even knew that it had, like, a following until, like, 2006. Really? Yeah. You'd think just the sheer number of times I rented that movie, they would have picked up on it. Yeah, nobody had any idea. Why and it was... I... This is was... pre, like, that revenue-sharing stuff that we talked about last week. Probably, so yeah. It's just it's literally just some did video stores each buy one copy of the tape? Yep. Then I guess we're done with that movie forever. Yeah. And so uh the Alamo Draft House, because of course they're the only ones that ever do anything awesome. Uh one of the one guy that sorta of knew the owner of Alamo was like, you know what? I've never seen the Monster Squad projected in thirty five millimeter. We should totally have a screening. And the guy's like, look, if you can get some people to show up, like as in, you know, director, couple couple stars or something, we'll totally do a one-night screening of Mantra Squad. So he, he got a bunch of the cast members and Fred Decker to show up. And their mindset was, well, we'll show up. And look, if five people show up, we got to go to Austin for you know, a weekend, it was fun. We get to see each other again. Haven't seen each other in a long time. It'll be great. 
uh, everybody's talking about how they show up to the theater, and there's literally lines like down down the block and around the corner to get in, and the show like sold out, and they're just like, "What the fuck?" And they talk to everybody, and then yeah, all of a sudden it's like, "Oh shit, people will actually like this movie and they want to see it." So Fred Decker told him, "Like, look, the only way you're ever going to get a DVD release is if you write to Lionsgate and tell them." I want a DVD release of this. That's the only way it's going to happen. So, of course, they did, and Lionsgate was smart enough to be like, huh, maybe we should put this movie that we own out on DVD. I bet people would buy it, and people bought the shit out of it. Oh, yeah. This is a movie that I had to, like, I I own a bootleg copy of it on DVD because it wasn't available yet at the time. It's like somebody ripped a VHS to a DVD and sold it to me. And I'm like, awesome. And I still went out and bought the Blu-ray as soon as it became available. Yeah. But. So they talk about that and then how it's blown up since then. And how it's like, look, there's more Monster Squad fans now than there was when the movie was released. Like, it's... Well, have you guys ever shown it to, like, kids? It, it totally hits them the same way it hit us when we were kids. Like My, my sister up. my sister showed it to my nephews. She she couldn't find it because the DVD was out of print, but I was able to find one on Amazon for pretty cheap. And I just, you know, sent it right to her house. Yeah. And she texted me, like, the next day. She's like, yeah, both of your nephews, who I think the oldest was, like, 10, and then the one, other, the one under him was, like, a couple years younger. She's like, your nephews came into my room crying. And I'm like, why? And she's like, I don't know. They just came in, and they were blubbering, like... <gasps> Frankenstein had to leave too and they were all like crying and shit and I'm like well that's the perfect reaction to that scene so yeah, that's it's a genuinely sad moment yeah you have to take scraps with them exactly so yeah so I've shown it's that a... movie to three year olds before and they like it you just have to explain to them not to repeat some of the lines <laughs> they do talk about that but, uh, so. I showed it to my three-year-old niece once, and I didn't like. I didn't. I guess I didn't really think about it because whatever. I was just like, she wants to watch a movie with mm-hmm. monsters in it. We'll watch this one. It's pretty kid-friendly. <laughs> and that opening scene where the guy's like on the plane, and uh, so <laughs> Dracula like shows up, and he's like, "Son of a bitch!" And then Dracula like bitch slaps him across the room. <laughs> this little three-year-old girl just looks at me and she goes. That's what you get for calling Dracula a bitch, right, Uncle Duck? <laughs> like, I like had to pause the movie right there, and I'm like, okay, we can watch the end of this, but you need to understand that these are grown-up words. <laughs> awesome. It's one of my favorite moments of my life. I still remind that kid about it. She's like 18 now. <laughs> I remind her about it. She doesn't really remember it. She's like, no. She, yeah. She's still trying. Ties to me size shorter jaws at the same age. She remembers that. <laughs> uh, uh, and now she knows never to go in the water. Yeah. Yeah. So the documentary is a ton of fun. It's just fun, sort of watching, not only re just thinking about the Mantra Squad, which is fun in itself, but then watching the people who are directly involved with it sort of reminisce about it. And then seeing like other fans were fans of it just talk about it on camera and stuff and yeah it's just it's a lot of fun they show a guy's collection he's trying to get a collection of monster squad on vhs from every continent 
really? And he says he's really close. So, let's see. That Antarctica one's going to be hard to get your hands on. Right? It's going to be tough. Um, but, yeah, so there's all kinds of fun stuff. People show off their collections. And then uh, probably one of my favorite moments is because, uh, you know, the like I said, the main kid from Monster Squad is the one making the documentary. So he's hands-on involved with everything they're shooting. And, they, you know, they'll do all their interviews with everybody. And then he shows a montage of, and that's when I brought out the shirt. Because <laughs> he, still, he still has the Stephen King rules, the original shirt. He still has it. That's amazing. That's how everybody reacts too when he brings it out. Their their mouth drops open, their eyes get all wide. They're like, "Oh my god, that's it! That's it! That's the one!" And then they comment on how small he was. It's like, "Oh my god, you were so tiny!" So yeah, it's a lot of fun. If you're, I'd say if it's a if you're a Monster Squad fan, it's a must watch. I'll probably be sharing my love with it by next week. I already found out where to like watch it, so I can get out for free this week. Yeah, it's so good. And I just love watching. There's another montage where people are talking about their favorite lines from the movie. And so, of course, they're like, well, it's, you know, Wolfman's got nards, of course. But then cut to somebody else who's like uh, mimicking the, the shotgun, and he's like, my name is Horace. <laughs> and then someone's just like you know it just about killed me and fucking Rudy's like I'm in the goddamn club aren't I <laughs> hey you guys don't be chicken shits <laughs> yeah so it's so much fun so definitely definitely worth a watch uh, for the 30th anniversary of Macho Squad they did like a tour throughout 17 Alamo draft houses in 17 cities in 17 days so for like part of the documentary you follow you follow uh the main kid sean rudy and uh phoebe the girl you follow them as they go 17 cities in 17 days it's intense yeah it's a lot of fun though yeah they were like uh they were like oh man you know, we didn't think about it. Like, ah, 17, 17 Alamo draft houses. This would be no problem. We didn't really think of how how not fun the traveling was going to be between each one of those each one of those draft houses. But yeah, so high recommend for me. I absolutely loved it. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, Noah, since you're yawning, you going to tell us what we're watching next week? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> that definitely means you remembered to look up movies. I did. I just got to relook to remind myself. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, I I think it's about time that we watch one of the greatest movies ever made, uh, which would be Crawl, matched up with Clash of the Titans. Oh, that's, it's also super so dope. Bad. I haven't seen Clash of the Titans in years. I've actually never seen the original. At the very least, I don't remember if I've seen. I mean, I've seen clips and stuff, but I don't think I've ever seen the entire movie. That that Harryhausen uh, stop motion animation, some yeah. nice little shit. And I've definitely seen like clips of that. Because even that stuff's just pop and culture. Just, and just fucking Krolls just dope. 
never seen Crawl either, so it's going to be a fun week for me. Good. I don't think... I, I'm a little excited. I, you always get to tell your, your stories of showing your uh, your friend that you used to work with all of these yeah. movies that they've never seen before, and now I get to share with you the glory that is the original Clash of the Titans and Krull. Yeah. I, uh, oh, I was going to bring up, I did show him Monster Squad because he's never seen it before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he absolutely loved it, so... I <laughs> It, I feel like every one of these things, though, is just teetering on the precipice of disaster. Because one of these times, if you would have showed him Monster Squad and he would have that's bullshit. I would have been like, get the fuck out of my house. That happened with a former coworker of mine. We watched UHF, and I'm like, so? And he's like, yeah, it's all right. And I'm like, you get the fuck out of my house right now. <laughs> I don't talk to him no more. A hot dog, Twinkie, and spray cheese sandwich. <laughs> All right, well, Crawl and Attack of the Titan, or is that right? Did I say it wrong? Clash of the Titans. Clash of the Titans. Fuck. It's a, it's a Attack on Titans. Uh, yeah, it's a whole different thing. It's a, it's a completely different. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sitting here looking at the list. So as I was scrolling through, all of a sudden the words weren't wouldn't come together in my brain. Um, yeah. Um, all right, does that take us to Falcon and Winter Soldier time? It does. Yes, it does. Uh, so what do we think this week? We got to see the new Captain America in action. Right. Being being a, uh, a person that you want to like, but he's a douche. Which yeah. I think which I think is what they were going for. Yeah. Yeah. But he's not a he's he's not a total douche in personality. But you still hate him anyway. You're like, fuck that guy. Well, I think I think he is a douche though in in the fact that like they they go out of their way to show you that he isn't what Captain America. Yeah, for sure. Was. Like, I mean, they literally almost verbatim did the whole. You know, this is the the sellout bullshit propaganda piece that they wanted. Hmm. Captain America to be and he actively you know rejected that and instead this guy's like no that's that's what I am yeah for sure but I feel like he is open to working with Sam and Bucky yeah Bucky right. um, I, he's not he's not a bad guy he's just not Captain yeah. America oh for sure he's definitely not Captain America but yeah, like, I think he thinks he's a hero he's just uh, not yeah yeah, and he 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 is open to like he wants to work with them, but he thinks they should be his sidekicks, and that's not how that works. I find it I find it interesting that uh, so so clearly you know this show due to the nature of the show is going to have to deal with some race issues and stuff, mm-hmm. which is which is fine, and I feel like they made some bold good choices. As far as that stuff, you know, you've got the great scene with uh, Falcon walking by the little kid who calls him Black Falcon, and he has mm-hmm. to be like, "My name's not Black Falcon, <laughs> just Falcon. I'm not Black Falcon because I'm black." Yeah, uh, which which is a pretty good stab at characters like Black Goliath and stuff. Mm. Uh, and and then them dealing with Isaiah Bradley, yeah, who it's good that they worked that in because I. 
I, I know that's a fairly new retcon to the whole Captain America story, mm-hmm. but I I like it a lot. I like the idea uh, that there were experiments on black super soldiers that that got all swept under the rug. Mm. Yeah, that's wow. neat. I don't, like I don't know America that story. Famous. Yeah, like, I don't know that story from the comics, but I like the idea that First of all, I just like the idea that post Captain America, they kept trying to create new super soldiers. And mm-hmm. secondly, like you're going to tie it into real history. You're going to want it. That feels right. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. In, in the comic books, it's basically like a Tuskegee experiment type thing. Yeah. That's... So they, they shoot up a whole bunch of these black guys with it. And most of them just die. And Isaiah lives. But. It's imperfect, if I remember right, because, you know, they they never could get the the super soldiers serum to work quite right with anybody other than mm-hmm. Steve. And yeah, and so there was a bunch of drawbacks and stuff. And it's 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 a good story. It's worth a read in uh, in the ultimate comics. And they replace sort of that situation with Nick Fury. I think so. Yeah, because I think they use that. That they were trying to recreate Captain America, like they literally use Nick Fury as the one who gained some super strength and stuff, but still didn't work out as like a Captain America super soldier, yeah, situation. And then also was responsible for creating Wolverine in the Ultimate Comics. Yeah, and and then the dude who answers the door at Isaiah's house, that mm-hmm. is uh, another superhero. That is. Patriot, yeah. who is a member of like the Young Avengers and stuff, and his story is interesting too. Where they kind of, in the comic books anyway, they convince you that he inherited superpowers from Isaiah, it, and then in the end, it just turns out he's basically using super steroids. <laughs> yeah. But but so all that once again, I, I feel like all those decisions were good decisions. Man, but then to bring in fucking uh, Battlestar is a weird decision. <laughs> yeah, because Battle Battlestar was problematic. That character was not handled well in the comic books. So I don't really, I don't really remember a whole lot of that stuff. Okay, um, so originally he was yeah. whenever uh, the Walker. Uh, became Captain America the first time. Yeah. He, instead of having one Bucky, he had a group of Buckies, you know, that were the Buckies. I don't know if you know this, but the term Buck is often a racial slur against black people. Yeah, I learned that from Get Out, actually. Right, right, right. So that was problematic to begin with. And then they changed him to... Battlestar, you know what I mean? Once he got Super Soldier Serum and got his powers and stuff. But he was just instantly still relegated to being a sidekick in a time when they were even trying to get more progressive and be like, you can't do that. You can't just take the black dude and throw him into the role of sidekick. It's it's a bad look. And then in this show, they were kind of I feel like they tried to fix it at first to be like, oh, no, they're friends and partners. And then immediately in that big fight scene, he gets downgraded to sidekick. Yeah. 
And it's like, ugh, I, mean, I don't. It's a bad. You're treading bad water. I don't know, maybe it's all the stuff from the comics because I haven't read it. I just, uh, I don't know. There's there's a difference between something being inappropriate and political correctness run amok. <laughs> just saying because he's black, we can't make him the sidekick is a little far. I don't know. So. I, I get that, and I so like, and like again. I don't. I've not exactly. I can't comment. Right. I was going to say that's not exactly the point I'm trying to make. I'm, I'm specifically making the point that in in the world of comics, there were other writers at Marvel that were bringing up issues with that character and been like, "Please do not do this. Do not. You have to stop because you're you're you're." doing a trope right now that's inappropriate and to see that trope mimicked in the show and in which maybe as we go forward maybe it'll get resolved in an interesting way that'll mm. call attention to that that yeah. trope being bad but I, I don't know it's not it's not enough to make me upset about the show or anything I just think there it's a risky move sure I mean with the other stuff they're tackling maybe Maybe it's done on purpose and it'll have some sort of uh, relevancy to the plot. But we'll see. They haven't, Marvel hasn't made too many missteps so far. So I usually will give them the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes they fuck up. But, I mean, they're not DC. Thank God. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's we've got a whole bunch more uh, references to other characters. Power Broker apparently is going to be showing up, so that'll yeah. be interesting. Mm-hmm. Although I wonder what they're going to do with that character. I wonder if that, it's going to be the same as it was in the comic books or something different. Yeah, kind of like uh, what they did with Flag Smasher, breaking Flag Smasher from a single dude into a organization or an ideal maybe mm. uh, I'm excited we're getting Zima on the next episode I just I just need him in that purple mask <laughs> it's coming it's coming I know give him time I'm impatient I need it <laughs> it's only six episodes we're already gonna be halfway through hurry it up I would if if it wasn't for Infinity War, I would almost think that maybe they were pulling a fast one and the power broker was going to end up being like Red Skull. But we already know what happened to Red Skull, so that wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. Although it could be Zola. Mm. Maybe. Just a giant TV head. I'm always down for that. Um, anything else big happened in this episode? A lot more action. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to even remember. Well, there's all know. sorts of stuff. There's the Bucky and uh, Sam trying to come to some accord. Oh, they're marriage counseling. Yeah, they're marriage counseling. I got to tell you, I really like those two guys interacting. I think they're funny. <laughs> I always thought they were ever since, uh, was it Civil War? Yeah, Civil War when they're kind of teamed up. There's that great moment uh, where they're like, they're fighting like Spider-Man, and then uh, Falcon calls in. Uh, it's called Redbird or whatever. Redwing, yeah. Uh, and he, he chases Spider-Man off. 
Why didn't you just do that before? Well, he just I hate you. I love that moment. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, the scene where they're in the car and Cap's out talking to, was it Sharon Carter? <laughs> Bucky's in the back and he's like, can you move your seat forward? He's like, no. And that's just the end of the conversation. <laughs> they was it up right where they left off, so it's, it's working. <laughs> yeah. This episode also did a little more hinting at the fact that uh, that the government might be up to some shenanigans of some kind beyond yeah. beyond the obvious stuff. Yeah. That they're tracking uh, uh, Falcon and they had his, you know, they're fucking with Red Wing and stuff. Yeah. Back to the old, uh, it's government property, we can do one with it sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm wondering if they're going to do Falcon 2 or not. I mean, they brought him into the show for a reason, right? Yeah. I don't know. If they do, I don't think they're going to go with the uh, mutant bird version. Why not? Eh, it just doesn't seem to be their style, but could be wrong, I guess. True. Which I don't know if Doug knows that or not. Yeah, the uh, Hispanic guy. Or Latino. I don't even know what the proper term is anymore. But um, he essentially becomes Sam's Falcon. But he turns into a giant a giant dude with feathers on his arms. Like wings. Like an actual Falcon. Yeah, and I think that's the power broker, too. Oh, uh, they did it? I, I think so. And I, I think that's true with uh, uh, Battlestar, too. I think Battlestar gets his powers from Power Broker. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we'll find out. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if Power Broker is going to be the just a MacGuffin to set things up or if that, that character is going to end up being the actual big bad. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of funny. Whatever breakdown video I was watching for the episode was just rant, you know, going over shit like he usually does and then out of nowhere just slipped in uh, and as you can see in this uh, this scene, uh, Sam's visor is red and we know what that means and they put up a picture of Mephisto <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then just moved on without even pointing it out and I'm like that's fucking hilarious um yeah I just really need Mephisto to be cast. I need that so bad. I need somebody to pop up and be like, casting official Mephisto. Who do you want to play? Fuck. Do they they resurrect David Bowie and have him play him? That would be cool, but I I think you need somebody slightly skeezier than that. Mm. Can we get uh, Tim Curry back in the uh, legend uh, makeup? I, I was getting ready to say if if Tim if Tim Curry was still in uh, actionable condition, yeah. that'd be fucking dope. I would actually say if uh, William Willem Dafoe hadn't been, uh, he might be a good one. Is he? Uh, is he currently anybody? No, but and t- I was scattering my brain there for a second because technically he was Green Goblin and he's been an Aquaman and you know what I mean? He's all yeah. over the place. Yeah, he hasn't been in the MCU. 
I'm trying to think of somebody with a nice, uh, rumbly, intimidating voice, but I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Can we just do? Uh, I mean, the voice doesn't match to what you just said, but can we just do uh, Crispin Glover? Ooh, that would be ter- <laughs> that, would, that would be terrifying for a different. Yeah. <laughs> be like, yeah, Crispin didn't even know we were shooting anything. He was just sitting there. We just rolled camera. I was going to say, if it wasn't if it wasn't for the fact that uh, David uh, Tennant did such a good job, I would actually say, if they were going to rehash the character, Crispin Glover would make a great Purple Man. Yeah, I can see that. Just because he's got that natural, you know, he's he's kind of got this likable charisma and stuff, but he can also do uh, n- menacing sexual predator very well. <laughs> I'm sure Chris Glover appreciates that for me. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, he has to know that. He has he to know. It as he a has, compliment. Yeah, he, he has to know he's got menacing sexual predator vibes that he can what? turn on pretty quickly. When I think menacing sexual predator, I think of Crispin Glover. Big quote at the top of his IMDb. <laughs> oh, no. There there we go for a good voice. Keith David? Keith David is Mephisto? Oh, of course. I mean, let's go full CGI, just do Keith David. Yeah. I mean, he's already played Spawn, so why not? I wonder what David Keith's doing now. I feel like... I feel like we need an old man buddy cop movie with Keith David and David Keith. That's just common sense. Yeah. I mean, we should just make it so that, you know, we have it in case one of them dies soon. And it would just need to be called David Keith Keith David. Yeah. (laughs) Or Keith David David Keith. It would just be David Keith David. I think it would be the way to go. Yeah, yeah, make it some weird like Andy Warhol looking poster where, in any way you read of this, it says either David Keith or Keith David. <laughs> yeah, see, we just sold a million dollar movie right there. Yep, that's about that's about what it would make a million dollars. I don't know. Anybody else got anything? It was a fun episode. I just, I don't know. I don't remember a whole lot of it for some reason. It's it's getting harder and harder to discuss this show. It's not quite like WandaVision where each show kind of stood on its own. Mm. It definitely feels like they're still building towards a bigger story. And uh, it's hard to discuss the individual episodes the same way. Well, and it, it somehow at the same time, there's a lot more nuance to it and a lot more mindless action to it. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that. It puts you in a weird spot. I don't know. Because there's just like the fight scenes in that are there's more of them and they're kind of spread out. But then there's also a lot going on in the background that we don't understand. I'd be inter- I'd be curious to watch this show with a normie just because I would. Do they know that that's going to be a bad guy, Captain America? Like at some point we know that yeah. guy's going bad. We just don't know how. Or I don't know how. Some people who have read comics might know how. So the question becomes... I was going to say, in the comic books, he murders a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Um, But then my question then becomes, like, would a normal person watching the show know that? Or would they just assume 
Everything's coming along fine. I I would have to assume not. I I think we've entered into the era of Marvel movies that I'm the most interested in because it's the era of all of the characters that uh, people who weren't super into comics are only tangentially even aware of their existence, if if at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That's why I kind of like uh, watching stuff with Amanda because she has no clue. Like, she's never read any of the comics or some, anything. But she does enjoy the movies and such, so sometimes it's fun to s- sit and watch it with her. Even if I s- don't 100% know what's coming up, I can kind of have a vague idea what their history was. And I can just kind of watch her follow along and be like, what the fuck? So... Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see it come back around, though. Yeah, you know what I mean. So we're going we're going away from the popular characters into these sub characters that that I like all of them, but who knows if the the normie public will like them. But we're slowly circling back around <laughs> to like Fantastic Four next, in which then we're going to go right back to superstar comic books that everybody is aware of them if not familiar with them mm-hmm. um, I did see a picture where somebody recolored John Walker's costume to make it more comic accurate and I actually think it looks a lot better that way I don't know why they didn't I think they want his costume to look like they don't want him to look too good in it. like they want to make sure that he looks a little goofy yeah. I'm just saying he looks a lot more like his costume in the comics and uh it's honestly simply shading like three panels on his on his costume white instead of blue. Well, but they're also I mean, right now he's not that character. Sure. I guess you're right, but they're still they're still building his costume to look more like his comic book costume and I mean I I actually heard somebody talk about the fact that so his his costume, like the uh, the Captain America symbol on his shoulder, that half of it is on the strap. Yeah. And so it only makes his logo if he's wearing it perfect. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about that's actually pretty good symbolism for the idea of that he's fake. You know what I mean? He's this polished, manufactured bullshit version of Captain America. And I was like, oh, you know what? That is pretty clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were watching it, and he was doing his shucking and jiving. I was like, yep. He's pretty much, yeah, he's doing he's doing the uh, publicity tour that Captain America did for like two minutes in the uh, in the first movie. But he's going full full bore. So yeah, he's enjoying it. Is the difference? Yeah. Likes the attention. It's going to be interesting. I that, One of the things I was getting ready to say earlier, and it slipped my mind, is uh, this show differs from WandaVision in the fact that... So WandaVision was almost designed to encourage speculation, mm-hmm. while this show is not. Yeah. Does, that, yeah, does that make I, sense? I that, yeah. Like, I, I don't think they're discouraging fans from coming up with theories and stuff, but it's not like everybody's taking wild stabs in the dark and hoping that they catch something. Instead, it's just, you know, this story is unfolding and you kind of know the direction it's going in. And yeah, we just don't know exactly what's going to happen. 
Because for all we know, they're going to flip the script and maybe Walker's going to end up not being a bad guy. You know what I mean? They'll just establish the fact that, okay, well, he's not meant to be Captain America, but he's a hero, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I personally don't think they will. I bet he's going to kill somebody. Yeah. It'll be interesting. They seem to find a good way of taking expectations and what you think is going to happen, especially from the comics, and maybe twisting it a little bit so it at least is somewhat of a surprise of how you end up where you end up. So, we'll have to see. Uh, so far, so good. Hopefully it keeps being halfway decent. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with it so far, so I just hope yeah. to keep it up, basically. Yeah, man. And that's pretty much all I got on. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.